This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you out there. How do you how do you support this podcast, you may ask? You go to our Patreon, you subscribe, you get BSBOTs where we literally do post-game and pre-game reactions to each playoff game. We've got a lot of new subscribers this week. Thank you so much for supporting. It keeps this show going. Uh, we're going to do a BSBOT on Wednesday for Game 1. You can listen to that as soon as the game is over. We posted about 30 minutes after. What a win for the New York Rangers. Game 7 at home. Greg and I have uh, fits from last week's episode on today for a total rehaul because last week was a funeral. Today's uh, celebration. And we also have Jesse Marshall who covers the Penguins as well to kind of talk about the series recap as well. As the, as the Kane series goes on, we'll do some more analysis. You'll find it all on BSBOT. We'll be back next Tuesday. You know how this goes. Without further ado, here's Mark Messier. We're going to talk about Game 7, the whole series in general, and everything under the sun, New York Rangers. Woo! Let's get going. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. You can support this podcast today. And I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, Game 7 winners, New York Rangers, say hello. I feel like we've done this uh, quite a bit recently. We've done a lot of these podcasts. It feels it feels like we've done this... It was four nights. Say it was four nights day? this week. Yeah, <laughs> it was four nights this week. Yeah, and if you're wondering why you haven't heard all those, it's because they're on Patreon, where we've got a lot of subscribers over the past week. Because we've been doing playoff uh, reaction game podcasts, and we'll be doing at least four more at this point in time. So stay tuned and join those if you'd like. Uh, there have been the game seven reactions last night. Uh, last time we did this podcast, Gregor, I don't know if you know this, uh, a miserable mm-hmm. time. Fitz came well, on. Last time we did this actual podcast. Yeah, this one. The man, the flagship, the one we do every Monday for the last seven yeah. years or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Miserable time. It was kind of like the Rangers' funeral. They were down 3-1. Uh, little did we know the Rangers would come back and win three games in a row. We'll kind of go through those a little briefly in a couple minutes here. Uh, and then win game seven at home in MSG where uh, Artemi Panarin, who I believe still is playing injured and hiding an injury, scores uh, in overtime in a step-on-like manner, to uh, bring the Rangers to round two versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Today, we'll be talking to Jesse uh, Marshall again to uh, go ahead and review what happened in the Penguin series. We'll also Do be talking to, to Fit. the door or something first, bro? Like, what's going on? Did you just have dinner delivered? No. Uh, unfortunately, that, that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I did not get a dinner. Dinner was beforehand. My wife just came back real quick, so she's gone now. Um, oh, hello and goodbye. She's going back to yoga. There you go. A little wife update. Wow. Uh, I know, yeah. In these trying times, she still has time to do yoga. I know, crazy. These trying times, <laughs> taking care of herself. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so Rangers win game seven, and then uh, we move on to the Canes. So we'll have Fitz on today to redo the miserable cast of what we did last week, and we'll also have uh, we'll also talk to Jesse about what happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins series. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go game by game as we go here? Game by game as in the, 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 the series that was? The comeback, yes. It was... Uh... Boy, I think, well, I, th- I think it's important. Let's harken back to some of the takes we had this time last week, which were the top line wasn't doing anything to help this Ranger team. Uh, Artemi Panarin was playing terribly. Igor Shosturkin wasn't looking like the Igor Shosturkin that we know. Um, and quite frankly, 
most of the defensive pairs, specifically number 12, were playing so poorly that we were saying it might be worth it for the Rangers just to play four forwards at one time as opposed to icing um, icing an actual defensive pair. It is really crazy to think about where we were this time last week. We thought Ryan Lindgren was cooked. We thought there was no hope Tyler Mott was coming back. Mika Zibanejad, we was were a having ghost? discussions. A ghost? We were having discussions about the type of person, and, well, not person, but player we could realistically expect Mika Zibanejad to be for the New York Rangers moving forward. And we're not talking about, like, like we essentially did a hard system restart and had to talk about Mika Zibanejad in terms of, is this guy a top, top center on a top team? Is he capable of doing that? Is the moment too big for him? And now we're saying, oh, Mika Zibanejad actually just needs his back against the wall and is like a, like a fucking feral cat in a cage, right? Yeah, I mean, the performance he had, he won 75% of his face-offs. Like, dude, Mika is not a face-off guy. That's, like, one thing he's especially not. And he played good two-way defense those last two games, and he kind of earned his his playoff stripes. <laughs> kind of like earning your pinstripes on the Yankees, but a little different. And he just, like, proved to himself to be a, a playoff player. And I think playing against the Canes is a totally different animal, and we'll get to that. But just to go back these last... How long ago does last Monday night feel like? It it over a year. I, 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 I don't know what feels longer. Um, the start of the pandemic or the reaction podcast we did after game five. I think they're both close. It's very close. Because <laughs> the game five, I, I, at the end of game five, it was kind of like, okay, the Rangers are back in this. They can fight back. But game six, I let's put it this way. I think both of you and I were feeling this way after game five. Like, okay, we won game five. We kind of expected game game five to go that way. We didn't think the Rangers would go out sad. They fought. They fought back. They came back. I, hold on. Hold on. Let me push back on that. We didn't want the Rangers to go out sad. Would you say you had expectation that they wouldn't? Is I, that what you're I thought you're they would me? win game five. But your confidence level going into game five could not have been. It was not know, strong. Our typical it, level. It was not like an 80%. We're talking yeah. like a 40 to 50 coin flip here I, I i could absolutely see them going out sad in game five i'm yes. very much so they won five two though so that was good they, they they forced game six then game six goes goes down uh and it's very similar <laughs> to game to game five uh it's game four uh which is oh no they didn't win five two game three i'm so sorry so sorry they ended up winning a, a five three because it's it, it, it was the exact same narrative for the last three games right at one point the rangers are down two nothing and then all of a sudden, it somehow becomes 3-3, and the Rangers fight back to win by a goal or two. And that was just it. The team the team looks like garbage the entire time. They don't look great at 5v5. They actually didn't score on some power plays that they really needed to score on. Igor Shosturkin let up zero goals in the third period of all of these games. Every single game, by the way. Zero goals. Perfect save percentage throughout the entire series for their wins. That's all you can ask for. For Igor Shosturkin. Yeah. But this, this but team fought just, back. Just to, fo- just to focus on game five, because sure. I, I do think it's important for us to paint the full picture here. You have to remember back how that's not the, even That's the kid line game, by the way. Yes, but not even how poorly the Rangers looked at times in the first period and the start of the second period. We were writing post-mortems about the Rangers after the first period saying, 
it's going to be hard to really think about this year as fun. We're really going to have to think hard about some of these guys' legacy with the Rangers. Like the first 25 minutes of game five, well, maybe if the second period of game one hadn't happened, the worst collective 25 minutes we've ever seen the Rangers play. They came out lifeless. They came out looking like a team that simply wanted to go home. They did not look like a team that finished second in the Metro and had home ice advantage against a team, mind you, that uh, was very shorthanded. And I understand that game five is also the game in which they got more shorthanded because all the Jacob Truba nonsense happened that, by the way, is nonsense. And a question, I don't know if it's a question we can ask Jesse, and I, I probably won't be one that I ask Jesse, but I am still mesmerized. One of my biggest takeaways from these games, and it started in game five with the just hyperbolic way some people were talking about Jacob Truba. I, I've, I just, I don't know if it's because um, I am deeply rooted in baseball media first. I don't know if it's because that nobody gives the Mets rightfully the benefit of the doubt, but the amount of, it was 31 against one in terms of how the Crosby hit was covered. And it still blows my mind, especially Ryan, now that we know allegedly that he never had a concussion. So like, Here's, this is, again, not, not to go back to something I talked about in vibe checks and not to go to something I talked about in OT, but is it not the Pittsburgh media's job to really find out if Sidney Crosby has a concussion as opposed to just acting like Sidney Crosby has a concussion and therefore Jacob Truba is a terrible human being? It, it is. and But, I mean, there were also people in the media that in Game 7 said, that Ryan Lindgren tackled Sidney Crosby when he really well, just no, again, cradled him like a baby. You can't call Wyshynski in the media. Okay, sorry. Wyshynski's not media. So sorry. Wyshynski's Bill Simmons. Do you consider Bill Simmons part of NBA media? Not at or all. Or do you consider him a Celtics fan with the podcast? Seriously. I like Bill Simmons. I love Bill Simmons. And I mean that very nicely. Yeah. At the same time, like, I don't consider him on the level with Adrian Wojnarowski or Brian Windhorst. He is not. That is correct. Oh, he's a fan with the podcast. <laughs> Wyshynski, just fan with the fire. Yeah, I guess he is. Uh, no, he's a fan with a byline, which is even worse because he's acting like he wants to be media, but he's not media. Uh, yeah, so the kid, this is the kid line game. They end up fighting back. And then the Mika Zabitajak game happens game six. It's like Mika wakes up. A demon came out of him. Adam Fox has four points. Mika has six shots on goal. He also has four points, two goals, two assists that game. Chris Kreider also wakes up, two goals that game. And the, the Rangers take it to the Penguins, even though it was close. They were down. Like, again, people started giving up on this team. That was a constant I kept seeing. And I know it was kind of a meme for some people on, on the Twitter.com where it was like, oh, this team's over. And, and they like use it as, like, motivation, like they're motivating the team. I think that's a little silly, in my personal opinion, because uh, there was a lot of people really giving up on this team. But this is all the team did all year. All they did was fight back when they were down. They never made it look pretty. They never made it – they never, ever made it look good. And it was never easy. Ever. Not once. But yet, the team won. And they kept winning. And they won again. I had people texting me and I was like, just wait. They're going to come back. Like, they might lose in heartbreaking fashion in OT. But they're going to tie this up. This is a team that does not... They don't just lose this easily. They don't. And Game 7 comes and happens. And there are plenty of calls both ways, Greg, that we could talk about nonstop. There, there's no reason to complain about the refs anymore in this series. There were some questionable calls... For sure. There were a lot you said this last night on Vibe on not Vibe Check. On the BSPOT, you can check it on Patreon. 
where the Rangers were on the wrong side of four 50-50 calls. That's a little weird. But for the most part, there were missed calls on both sides. Ryan Lindgren should have had a checking call for sure. There were a lot of held sticks. There were a lot of, he could have put his helmet back on. Dude, refing was bad for both sides the entire time. But you know what both teams didn't do? Take advantage of situations that were handed to them. The Rangers in game three got three power plays in a row. Did not take advantage of it. The Penguins had three 5v3s. Three of them did not take advantage of it. Could have buried the Rangers. Did not happen. So, I can't blame the refs fully. I can tell you that they were terrible. I can tell you that they don't know exactly how to officiate a game, especially a playoff series like this. I didn't think they had control of it. I didn't think they called it consistently. I, I don't know if it was a high stick or not. I think it was a sweet and nasty goal from Gensel. Congratulations to him. He's out of the playoffs. But, dude, the refs were miserable the whole time, and I'm not going to complain about them because they didn't decide well, the series in my mind. They didn't. Both no, they did not. For, they did not decide this series. The The Pittsburgh Penguins had plenty of opportunities to win this series. Um, and I want to say, not to cut you off, but I'm going to do it. I think I, even if the Rangers lost this series, I would come on and say that. They really would. Well, yeah. No, so this – I do. I, I I thought of this. It's not. Um. I don't know where I heard this first. I I I'll credit thirty two thoughts. I think I heard Elliot Friedman talk about this, and it got me thinking as well. It is odd, and I wonder how you feel about this. That you think of other sports. It doesn't happen in basketball, but in baseball, you have one umpiring crew for the whole series, and it's whether. Whether you think officials are calling the game correctly or not, you can at least find a rhythm and a consistency if you have the same crew for every game. Whether you think they're doing a good job notwithstanding. But you at least you learn you you learn things about the specific refereeing crew if you have to deal with them for multiple games. And and you can adjust your game plan to how the game is being called if you know that it's the crew from the night before and you understand how they're going to call the series and you understand how certain things might break one way and how certain things might break another, just based on human tendency. So it's, it's interesting to me. And I wonder if we ever get to the point where in the NHL, you're just, every series is just assigned one crew and that's it. Then coaches get a rapport with the guys, players get a rapport with the guys and you're not going from one game with West McCauley where nothing's going to be called to another game with who Kelly Sutherland or whatever, and you you just you don't know what's going to be called from one game to another because you're getting different people to do it. And it to me that feels like a pretty easy fix. Where again, I don't think it fixes whether a game is called correctly or not, or whether a game is called properly or not. But at least the game would be called consistently. And I think asking for consistency and getting consistency would be a step, a monumental step in the right direction. Agreed. Agreed. It, it, it has to be a little bit more consistent. That was what bothered me the most. It was like the Kako review took 10 seconds, but the high stick review was longer than that. It's very strange. Very, very, very strange. Well, but now that, again, it that that's like a slippery slope because I – has it ever been explained to us how much the refs on ice get a say on that call versus – how much they are listening to the war room in Toronto about how the goal or no goal should be called. It's not really been fully explained, but I think it's Toronto overrules everything. Yeah, so I'm sitting here 
more asking the NHL to explain to me the tendencies of official reviews like that versus anything else. I like, again, I'm not, I don't want to be the guy that gives benefit of the doubt all the time to refereeing crews. Cause I know some people right. think that's all I do, but when stuff goes to review like that, how much can I be angry at the on ice officials versus how much is this being controlled by the wizard of Oz behind the curtain? Let's get to game seven. Going into it, how'd you feel? Sidney Crosby back, Raquel back, Jari back off a broken foot. I felt I felt strangely confident, but I could easily see them not getting it done. They fall behind. As they as is tradition, Chris Kreider comes out, scores one nothing. Crowd goes fucking crazy. MSG is bonkers, just totally at, off the hook. Then all of a sudden it gets gets tense. Penguins score twice. Rangers fight back. Keandre Miller, who had two amazing plays in that game. Then it's 2-2. All of a sudden, breakaway. Rodriguez scores on, on Chesterkin, who's played too deep in his net. 3-3-2. Mika Zabinajad, superhero mode. <laughs> Alexi Lafreniere ripping a helmet off. They, Rodriguez doesn't remember the rule again. Just goes back to the bench. Everything's out of whack. Mika Zabinajad. That wasn't, wasn't Rodriguez, right? Wasn't oh, it Pedersen? I'm sorry, it was I Pedersen. Think? My apologies. It was Pedersen. Hamlet comes off from Lafreniere. Uh, goes back. Everything loses structure. 3-3. Mika Zabinajad. Go to overtime or Tammy Panarin with whatever injury he's nursing or whatever. I, you know, we'll, we'll get it confirmed after the season, I'm sure. Scores a goal that seemingly goes through three people. Uh, very step on likes moment. Garden goes absolutely crazy. Uh, and we're off to the Canes. I mean, I can't. I, it's a, it's been an unreal morning. I slept like a king. It's been, if it's one of the best feelings in sports is winning the game seven. I feel bad for Leafs fans a little bit, a tiny little bit, a little, 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 little bit. But my dude, uh, we're onto the Canes, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this with Fitz a lot. But I think that matchup is a rough one. Yeah, we'll get to the Canes when we get to the Canes. But in terms of where my mind was for Game Seven, I'd say pregame. I think before Games Five, Six, and Seven, I think I sounded more confident than I ever really was. I just, it's, it's, it would be. Hard and quite frankly, not irresponsible, but a certain level of lying to yourself. If you were extremely confident after watching the Rangers, especially in games three and four, and thinking, oh, no, we got this. Not worried about it at all. And then again, lying to yourself once again, if you watched the first 25 minutes of game five when the Rangers were down 2 nothing, and thought to yourself, no, I'm not worried about it. And then again, lying to yourself again when the Rangers were on the road in Pittsburgh again and didn't show up for the first part of that game again and fell behind two nothing again and thought to yourself nah this all work out this would be good and then quite frankly I think the lowest I got in the series is I just knew the Gensel Cole wasn't going to be overturned oh I was like locked dude there was no way it was a good yeah, goal, now, goal second and now, half again I don't necessarily think I think every angle we see you know, can be manipulated where we don't know where the camera is. If it's tilted up a little bit, we don't know shit. So when you don't know shit and it looks like a 50, 50 call more times than not, it's just going to be whatever was called on the ice. And I understand what was called on the ice was not favorable to the New York Rangers. But as soon as it happened, I was like, they're not overturning this. Even if I think they should overturn it. And I think this is where the Rangers. Can I give you like a dumb theory? It's so dumb. The goal was too cool to be overturned. It that, was a ridiculous goal. If a Ranger scored that goal, I would not be wearing pants. Yeah, no, he kicks the kicks it up and hits it in like in a beautiful motion. It's like it was too sick of a goal to overturn. 
That's that's I really think that's what it, part of it was. It's like, hey, that was too cool. We can't we yeah, can't take that I, away. <laughs> I, I I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say no, you're an idiot as much as I would like to. Um, but it. I understand what you're saying where you're like, dude, the Rangers have done this all year, blah, blah, blah. I get that they have, but I can't remember a three-game stretch where they looked so lifeless and then still did it anyway, right? It's just I, I'm, I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm saying the Rangers have looked bad in one game and then sloppy in periods of other games that they've won. The first six but, minutes of their third period was pitiful, awful. <laughs> like, I, the Rangers... <laughs> We're sitting here, and I've tweeted this before, and I understand that I'm I'm at some point just parroting myself. But we sit here, and the truth of everything is the New York Rangers won a seven-game series, including three straight games in which they trailed in an elimination game. And they are yet to play a good, clean game of hockey. Just one. Isn't that exciting a little bit? Like, hey, this team could actually... It's It's exciting from the mindset of you can tell yourself if the Rangers just could figure this out, anything is possible, right? And that's true. I, I, I understand that you and I have been pretty, I don't know if pessimistic is correct, Not but we've been pretty realistic about what we expect you from could, the Rangers. You where... could say the team looked like shit. They played terrible 5v5, but yet yep. they love to win ugly and they find ways to do it. That's the truth. No, Everything I just said what is I, true. What I, what I mean by pessimistic in this in this regard is, even before the Penguins series started, we said we expect the New York Rangers to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. We do. And then we expect to get fucking just... Canes and five. Barn burns. Yep. Yeah. We, we just... We don't have good hope or expectation for what's to come in this Carolina series. But I'm going to say that while also saying if the Rangers could just figure out how to play 60 minutes of hockey, I don't know if there's a team in the East that can beat them. I don't. I mean that. Because, again... This is how the Rangers look when they look like shit. They won a seven-game series against Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the Pittsburgh and Penguins. And, dude, everything went wrong in game seven. Everything. And, again, they lost four 50-50 goal calls. So, I'm not even saying conspiracy theorists, refs are out to get the Rangers. But just based on the numbers, the odds of the Rangers losing every single coin toss goal decision that went to fucking Toronto – Again, with their best players playing like shit, the only players playing well, their youngest players, and their goalie, who was a god all year, not really going into god mode in games two through six and saved everything for game one, which he lost, and game seven, which he won. That team, that team who has not looked good for any extended period of time after the first period in game one, that team, if they figure it out, yeah, anything's fucking possible. But I, I, it's just, if you want me to sit here and tell you I expect it to happen, especially against an opponent who the Rangers are just perfectly tailored to suck against, which is the Carolina Hurricanes, I don't expect it to happen. But the thing about hope is you just <laughs> check, all, you check all your fucking expectations at the door. And they give you that sliver of hope. Like if the Rangers go up 2-0 in the first five minutes against the Hurricanes in game one, of course I'm going to be sitting there thinking like, man, if only the Panthers could beat the Lightning here because maybe the Panthers can just fucking choke because they're not ready for the big test. Also, shout out. Shout out the NHL who never once thought for a second that the number one seed in the Eastern Conference could possibly play a playoff game the same night as the number one seed 
in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. You could have just changed the nights for so, them. So they stupid. They didn't have to be the same nights. Like, it's like, how do we lose money? The NHL. <laughs> it's like, well, no, I, I honestly, it's not how do we lose money because the, the NHL is going to get paid whatever they want to get paid, right? But at no point that, once again, the beauty of Gary Bettman is at no point does that man think to himself, maybe I can make more money. He's always just satisfied with the money he has and never thinking about the money he could have. So the Raiders go into this Canes series already down 6 nothing because six Rangers, former Rangers, play for the Canes. So they are all got goals already. So that sucks. Got that the only one there. that's going to really suck is... Tony. I, Tony. Tony scoring is going to suck. And he's going no, to. No other way like, to say it. Yeah, and he's going to. He, he is. It's a lock. So cool with that. Uh, everyone else I still I still really like. Like, yes, we're fast. I miss you, baby. Come on back. Love you, Derek Stepon. Brady Shea, I don't really, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> kind, of over, kind of over it, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, you're, you're over it just because you're very confident in, like, five of the six people that play defense for the New York Rangers, and you're confident that one of the guys who is here but isn't here is pretty fucking good, too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, yeah, feel pretty good. So we'll talk about the Kane series. I guess I guess we'll get into it right now. Uh, this is a the Kane series is rough for the Rangers mostly because I think they're a nightmare matchup. They are a possessions based team. They're great at five v five, and I think they're a little too quick for the New York Rangers in some aspects. Uh, and it's gonna come down, and you're never gonna believe this. The key matchup for the for the Rangers, Gregory Igor Shosturkin. If it comes, oh, to- I I actually. I think the key matchup, most important player for the New York Rangers in this series against the Carolina Hurricanes is the guy who hasn't played in these games before as a member of the New York Rangers, Tyler Mott. I, I think Mott is going to be not the X factor, for lack of a better term. It's not that I expect Mott to go out there and get nine points, and it's not that I expect Mott to play 20 minutes a night, but – it's very clear what the New York Rangers have lacked against the Carolina Hurricanes to this point this season. And it's guys like Tyler Mott who can match what the Hurricanes do best. Forechecking, speed, doing the dirty things in dirty corners. That's Tyler Mott's game. And I'd almost consider, it'll never happen, but I'd almost consider moving Mott up to play with Stroman Panarin. Or Cop and Panarin. He did, by the way, because Gallant finally shit. last night made some adjustments with like 14 minutes remaining. Put out some weird ass <laughs> lines too. I think it was like <laughs> so weird. It was like Mika Zabitajad, Cop, and Lafreniere. I was like, what? <laughs> Hold on. He's what is this? He's just he's he's just a he's a weird little guy. He's, Gerard a, Gallant. he's a weird little dude. That's for he's sure. He's a weird little guy. Also, boy, any other season, it is impossible, right? Based on the year the Rangers have had, they've won a playoff series. I understand we've been super, super fucking critical of Gerard Gallant this postseason. But now that the Rangers have won a series, I understand and I accept that there is a 0.00000% chance anybody but Gerard Gallant will be this team's coach come opening night in 2022 later this year. At the same time... There are two clear guys who have recently been fired that are better coaches than Gerard Gallant, and one of them literally already replaced him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think the other one's going to go to Vegas. I think Trotz is going to Vegas. I, tried, I, I don't. I, I would love DraftKings Sportsbook, proud sponsor of Breakaway. I would love 
to hear what um, the line would be for Trotz to be the guy in Vegas, but it has to be like minus 500. Like it, it's, you, it's, it's it feels exactly. like the only reason DeBoer got fired is because Trotz was available. I agree with you. I think it's already signed. Probably going to be announced later this week where uh, I guess we'll see what happens there. But the Rangers come out. They do some weird. Glant finally like, wakes up. He's like, you know what? I'm going to try some other weird stuff instead of just starting Rooney and Reeves in the offensive zone like I have like 90,000 times, which has resulted in zero offense. By the way, it's something that he did in fucking game seven. Yeah, like, he did it multiple times. The fourth, the fourth line got a shift before the kid line, and it was an offensive zone face. And he moved Kako down to the fourth line at some point. And, it was because, and you know why he did it too? Is because the Penguins sent out their fourth line. And Gallant had last change. And he's like, whoa, now wait a second. If their fourth line's out there, hmm. then that has to mean my fourth line is out there, right? But I could. Those are the I rules. Feel, am I allowed to put me because of Chad and Chris Kreider out there right now? I don't know. Well, not even them. Not even them because they already took a shift. But if the fourth line's out there and it doesn't even have Brian Boyle on it, why aren't you putting your third line out there that's been playing fantastic this entire series? Don't know. Like your best line without question. Don't know. But yeah, best line up to game five. And then all of a sudden, Mika's been a goes supernova. Uh, I mean, I've, I have a, a, we'll talk with Fitz about the, the Carolina Hurricanes and it's just a second. Game seven, put a bow on it. A fucking amazing win. Just phenomenal feelings and vibes. Great to end what I believe is, will be like that sort of era in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, I guess, whatever you want to call it, history, where it's a Sid, Gino, and, uh, and Latang. I, I, I don't yeah, know well, if you. I mean, just based on the stories today, do you Woo! honestly expect Gino and Latang to come back? No, I expect one I of them know. maybe to come back. One of them maybe. I think and maybe it's Malkin. Maybe. 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 It sounds like Latang is like big gone. Yes, I think they're gonna have to make a serious offer to, to Malkin. Which, by the way, they should. Just throwing it out there. Should have should have made one to both of them. Yeah, may mayhaps. Mayhaps. Uh, they have a lot to do there in Pittsburgh. So. Uh, it turns out Crosby's still good at hockey. You know, I'm not really worried about that. But he's yeah, got no a fucking figure. Yeah, he's got a summer of uh, golfing and hanging out and figuring out his team for next year. He's probably already in the gym. Psychopath. Though I don't know. He sounded pretty pissed off today. Maybe he demands a trade there, Ryan. Uh, uh, well, McDavid. I'm just got, saying. McDavid's got to lose saying. his next series before he de- he demands one. That's for sure. All I'm saying, Ryan, is uh, we've been debating for quite a long time about whether the Rangers should bring back one of Strom or Cop. Maybe <laughs> they should just trade for Sidney Crosby. I don't think Vulcan's out of play. Uh, just gonna throw it out there. I I I think he is just because I, I do think Malkin. I think Malkin, if he leaves, is gonna be like, no, you're paying me eight. I mean, you can pay me for one year. I don't give a shit, but you're paying me eight. And I'd Malkin. be like, he has Malkin. He deserves the money. Yeah, and I'd be like, well, it's fun in theory, but I bought but out I have Henrik no Lundqvist, so I can't do it. Yes, that's true. Uh, any final thoughts on Game 7 before we get to our friend Fitz, talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, talk re- recap everything with him, I guess, as well? Um, nothing short of the fact that I, for one, am just very happy the Rangers won that game. Same. If you, I, 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 I fucking take it, by the way. If you want to hear our actual live reaction to all this, you can. It's on BSPOT on our Patreon. All right, let's do a quick transition to our sponsor, and then we'll come back with our friend Fitz. Here we go. Transition. Ranger fans, the pursuit of for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. If you've been listening to us throughout these playoffs, you know we've been doing these same game parlays. Well, guess what? If you're a new customer, 
You can bet $5 on any team to win. All you got to do is win. That's it. They just got to win. And you will get $100 in free bets no matter what. You know what? We're going to make it even better. That offer, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs, that's where the DraftKings Sportsbook, same game parlays come into play. You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. And it's your shot for an even bigger payout. DraftKings, safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So here's all you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS. Bet those sweet $5 on any NHL team to win. Could be the Rangers, could be the Flames. It won't be the Canes because I know you're better than that. And you will get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code BLUESHIRTS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey, we're back. First guest of the day, we have our friend Fitz, who was on last week's show where we had a funeral for the New York Rangers. Fitz, how are you feeling? Well, well uh, I feel like uh, The Undertaker climbing out of my own grave. Um, that was that was unbelievable, man. What a, what a crazy week it's been compared to last week. Oh, my God. Dude, we sat on this podcast for like an hour. We were like, yeah, you know, it's been rough not knowing who you know, the kids are 16-game players, but Mika Zabinajad, I just don't know if he has it. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean dude talk about answering the bell and then some i mean my god mika he, he once that first goal went in in game six it was just like the monkey was off his back you know it, what, that's what boots used to do all the time he literally would take the monkey off the back um but yeah that was massive man it was uh it's it's a, you could see mika like light up and then all of a sudden every other part of his game started to come together at the same time it's like, oh, I can win faceoffs now. Oh, by the way, I can make passes now. Oh, I'm going to play some defense as well. I was like, Amiko, where did this all come from, my dude? Like, well, did you take, you just you took the offseason to work on your mo- your uh, your jams over there? I'm sorry, that was a terrible <laughs> reference. <laughs> terrible job by me. Uh, yeah, uh, so give me your game seven full reaction. I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say at this point. I mean, I, first of all, Igor kept a minute the entire game i mean that was uh he needed a big time performance and he delivered and i mean the rest of the team i listen what did the deserve vote window meter or whatever that bullshit is say last yeah. night was oh, like 8%. You mean the, the the very very popular stats that tony d'angelo likes to now trot out there more than any other person <laughs> did he did uh did did Greg, the burner Greg, tweet that out? I, I tweeted i tweeted <laughs> i tweeted at uh nyr fan tony d'angelo just the Le- angry LeBron meme and nothing else. And he responded with just the money puck deserved to win a meter. And I was like, what? Wait a second. Wow. Hold the what, phone. What a sir. rebrand, huh? <laughs> Talk about re- reimagining your image, huh? Yeah, um, I mean, famously, a lot of people from New York go down to Carolina to go to Duke and learn numbers. And then all of a sudden claim to be Southern. It happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. But games, I mean, wow. Just what a game. I mean, I, I they they looked dead in the water so many different times from games five through seven that it was like I actually felt kind of comfortable at some point in game seven when they were getting shelled. I'm like, bang, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> we look like shit. We got them right where we want them. <laughs> I felt the same way. 
I really did. I just thought it was such a cool like atmosphere too. I also loved just seeing how many other like New York athletes were there. Like I thought that was dope. Like every so I think every team had a representative, but the Yankees because they're going to claim they were in Chicago. But there there were seven Mets. I just the funniest part to me is like everybody made a big deal about the Mets, and then we all follow Ethan. So Ethan was making a big deal about Kayvon Thibodeau being there, but Zach Wilson just fucking shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, just like in a crowd of other white people and we're like oh shit it's the jets quarterback and then out of nowhere emmanuel quickly's like this is fucking dope and we're like wait what are you doing there and then brian dable basically holds a press conference in the stands being like hi i'm brian dable and i won't be able to fix daniel jones but at least the rangers are good and i'm just like what is what is happening you missed the biggest one too is that he's not even a new york athlete yet but but donovan mitchell being there was absolutely Yeah, Mitchell being there is unbelievable because that's 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 the biggest sign of all, isn't it? Oh, it was so fun. I didn't even the best part. It was like kept under wraps. And then I guess uh, Stefan Bondi tweeted about it. And then all of a sudden, Donovan Mitchell was just like posting on his Instagram story that he was there. (laughs) The video of him yelling shoot at Panarin before he scored is like he's one of us. He's literally one of us. He's he's a New York (laughs) asshole. This is great. He's going to fit in right well in the Knicks. That's for sure. Uh, man, everybody answered the bell. It was a game where in, in period three, I was saying this before you came on the first six minutes, they looked like garbage. They looked slow, sloppy and nervous. And then it was like, all right, we're just going to get it together. Panarin somehow figured out whatever his injury was for like a minute and a half. Magically, like a wizard put a puck through three people and we're onto the hurricanes. I mean, what else can has anybody, has anybody figured out how that puck actually went in the net yet? Not a, not a clue. Not a clue. I still don't know how it went in. I saw I, I, I saw a, another angle from behind the net, and I still can't figure it out. Dude, I don't. How did they get past Latang? How did they get past him? Like his whole body was literally covering that whole post. It looks like it just, it's just like right skims through. through him. It's like what happened? How that? What? And then that's goes, some team of destiny type shit, man. It like, really is. Uh, so- I don't. I don't believe in the magic bullet theory, but the closest I'll ever come to thinking it was just one bullet is watching that Panarin puck go in. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! This podcast goes all over the place. We're let's talk about a different mood than last week, huh? Yeah, we already got a JFK assassination drop, and well, the uh, difference, the difference, the, the difference last week is I think the reference I was making was like the physical president dying, whereas this week it's the process in which he died, and I think that's pro- that's that's that is Wait, progress. We did JFK two weeks in a row. <laughs> I, I think I made it back into the left reference got at it. some point in the last. Someone week. texted me that as well. I, I, I think that was the Kako goal. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Fitz, we're playing the Hurricanes. Your thought, I mean, you and I have talked about this off the air a lot. I think they're the worst matchup for the New York Rangers, maybe possible. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's all gravy at this point, right? Like It's all just, it's, it's all bonus time, baby. That's it. It's all good. And, gentlemen, and but I'm with just that being say, said, though, it? with that being is said, it? they got to be the Hurricanes. Because <laughs> I fucking hate them. Because <laughs> I cannot stand them. Just from uh, just from their their social media account from the bubble and how how they were thought they were such hot shit in that Fugazi tournament, uh, the eighteen ex Rangers they seem to employ, including two of like my favorites in Faust and you know I was a big Tarek Stepan guy too back in the day and obviously you know he who must not be named is on the team and that'll be a big storyline heading into the week but I just Fox hate them so back, much. Of yeah, are Adam talking, Fox. Oh, wait, are, are you talking about Tevu, Tevu Teravainen? Like, who are you talking about? Oh, don't make me do this. <laughs> I don't want to start anything. But yeah, man, it's it's like it, like you said, it's all gravy. But 
at the same time now that we're here it's like hey man there's no looking back now <laughs> like, it's like, why not us why not us why can't it exactly be us? That's- well yeah so so riddle me riddle me this fitzy um we've talked we've made mention on this podcast multiple times about how the the hurricanes are a bad matchup but walk me through that one in ten chance the rangers win this series what do they have to do in your eyes well igor has to channel Alexander Georgiev, what an insane fucking sentence to utter, and just <laughs> go <laughs> go absolutely bananas on the Hurricanes like he did. Uh, what was that like? The middle of March, that one Sunday after like the Sunday Georgiev game, yeah, literally. Oh my the, god, the Georgiev game, fifty-two saves, I believe it was something ridiculous. Yeah, it was incredible. He, he just went off, but I mean, it's gonna come down to that. As cliche as it's saying, like goaltending and special teams, like the Rangers power play finally came alive when they needed it. The PK was solid if they'll in games five and six it wasn't great last night they gave up two power play goals but i mean obviously the gensel one like what are you gonna do that's just one of the best goals i've ever seen in my life um but yeah i think that's what it really comes down to and and honest to god it's just gonna be can the depth piece it's it's funny because like this whole series is about like where are the stars like where have the stars been but this series to me is going to be even more so about the kid line and you know Tyler Mott, Rooney, Reeves, you know, the the depth guys I think are going to have to step up because Carolina is just so deep. I mean, they – I don't I, – I just don't know a bad player that they play every night. You know what I mean? Like, they're just from top to bottom just rock solid. But Wow, all of know, a sudden you're a big Brady Shea guy. I don't remember you being so so positive about Shea in the past. I mean, he's fine. He he was playing in shutdown minutes against Bergeron, Bergeron's line in the Boston series with uh, Pesci. I mean, it's more of a Pesci thing than this Brady Shea. You know, section one legend Brett Pesci, but um, how many times do you think that gets mentioned this week? Seventeen times in the first game. Only yeah. because uh, MSG will not be on the broadcast, so I don't ah, think that much. That's good. That point. that would be that would be a big Sam and Joe line for sure. But with this being a national broadcast series, like I don't think Ray Ferraro is going to be bringing up that much. I'm just thinking in my head of of the 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 elf. Uh, three WH count. I'm just trying to imagine what the tweet would be about Brett Pesci with the Sam and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's the best. He really is the greatest. The greatest. He's a legend. Uh, I mean, I'm not scared of Brady Shea. I'm not really scared. They. I, I wonder if the Rangers can legitimately out. You're, you're, you're Ryan. You're so brave. What a what a what a, what a, what a, what a, what a sentence. Oh, Brady, Brady hey, Shea doesn't scare me. He's he a big scared, tough boy. He doesn't scare me. The rest of the Hurricanes do. I, I that gets to my next point is, do you think you can legitimately out physical the Hurricanes? Because I think that's what you're going to have to do to beat them. As strange as that is, because you're not going to outskill them. That's what they. That's what they're going to do. They're going to possess the puck and pepper you with a million shots. They're going to shoot everything. Like that's that's the big thing to me. Is like I, I think the Penguins kind of showed at least you know, in games three and four, and honestly, even in games five and six too. Um, and even a little last night, to be honest, but that like, if you throw pucks from bad angles at Igor, he sometimes gets a little flustered like that. You know what I mean? Like they scored so many goals from, you know, created so many goals, I should say from just like the being side behind the, the goal line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the side of the goal line below the red line and just throwing pucks towards the slot, towards the net, and just, like, praying it hits Those off Those weird someone. backhanders, I mean, that... like the Nemeth goal where it goes off his back, or, like, they're just, like, they created goals out of nowhere by doing that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's going to be a big thing to me. But, I mean, this should be a fun series. Like, I know no one 
we're the we're the nobody believes in us team. Shout out to Bill Simmons, Ryan. I know you've always wanted to to get on your Bill Simmons. Second, second, second Bill Bill Simmons shout out on this podcast. <laughs> it's true. He's a, just a Celtics fan with a podcast. That's all he is. <laughs> <laughs> but but like to me like. Like they're playing with house money, the Rangers, man. Like no one thought they were gonna come back. Dude, this I is, certainly this is didn't. Success now, right? We all agree. Like this is absolutely. We, we got our moment. We all wanted. We want a game seven in MSG. Mika Zibanejad proved he could do it in the playoffs. Chris Kreider can do. it. We've already known the kids have proven stuff. Like fuck, we haven't even mentioned Braden Schneider. Like I think Braden Schneider looks awesome for twenty years old. And to be, I think he's gonna be the real deal. As much as I flamed the draft pick at the time, he's playing real big time minutes in big time moments and. Him and Keandre Miller, who I know uh, some people <coughs> drew away, have uh, said he's had, <laughs> had a rough series. But, like, they've had big moments and they've stepped up when it matters. Truba's had a little bit of rough moments here and there, but he's also made really big plays. So everyone's kind of had their moments so far, been able to prove these things. Like, even Ryan Reeves has made some stuff happen. And Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott. Shout out to Tyler Mott, man. I love that guy. If Kudrow yeah. comes I've, back, I've, dude, I can't even I've slobbed, I've slobbed Tyler Mott's knob pretty good oh, already on this podcast. He was, so, he was so good last night. He was so good. I I, I live anytime goal scorer bet him before before he had that breakaway. I was my heart my heart rate was at like 145 last night. That's what my Fitbit was telling me. But uh, <laughs> but like well, when he got that breakaway, I was like, oh shit, let's go. And then I was like, ah, and then Keandre scored. And I was like, yeah, all right, we're good. Let me uh Fitz, let me ask you the impossible question that I posed Ryan last night on the OT after game seven. Miller draws that penalty crashing the net like a six-year, seven-year uh consecutive all-star game appearance player. Would you rather have the Keandre Miller penalty shot or the two-minute power play? Uh, I would probably just go with the power play because, I mean, listen, no one loves Keandre more than me. Um, And he did score a six-shootout winner earlier in the year, but still, I mean, he's a defenseman. I guess he used to play forward, so – but still, I mean, you want your power play out there, in my opinion, uh, with that. And, yeah, I I, I think that's no no no-brainer in my mind. It would have been sick for me and my agenda, obviously. That would have been really cool. But uh, in terms of, like, winning the game, I thought the power play would would definitely – I would have taken the power play. I was happy, honestly, when they didn't call it a penalty shot because if you don't score on the penalty shot, it, like, that's, that's it. a big – It's over. Yeah, it's a it's big over. swing. It's a big swing for, for the Penguins. It, it would have deflated the building. It would have. It would have for sure. But, well, luckily we got Panarin uh, in a legendary moment. Dude, I'm so scared for this case series. <laughs> it's like, I, I know it's so fun. Like, it's going to be a great time. There's going to be, I, I think the Rangers can take it to six. I think, eh, I want them to win. But I mean, I, I, I think they could take it seven easily. I think, it, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw that the Hurricanes are already like limiting seats for people outside of yeah, uh, you can. the Carolina area. Yeah. Can, guess can what? I be honest? It guess doesn't, what? Bother, yeah. it doesn't what? bother me that much. Also, Is that a hot take? No, I don't. I don't think it's hot take at all. Also, like half of Cal or Cal, like North Carolina is New York retirees. So, like, what do you think they're going to deny them that they'll just go buy a thirteen dollar Aho shirt and pretend they're a Canes fan, get into the game, and then support a real team? <laughs> the uh, it does remind me the last time, the only time I I've fucking been to hate Carolina, the Canes. I fucking hate. I, oh no, Fitz, I'm right there with you, and I'm happy that I'm going to be able to bring back my Whalers agenda. For the next oh, week, yes. at least. Let's go. The, the only time I've been in Carolina for a Rangers-Hurricanes game, I think it was in the 2014-15 regular season. Uh, and it was just when I was living in Georgia. So, like, I had to go to Carolina, Tampa. Those were the nearest arenas to me. 
And I went to the game. The Rangers played like shit. And the entire time, um, anytime a Carolina fan would say anything to me, I'd be like, you're a fake fucking franchise. You don't have any fucking history. You stole the fucking Whalers. You took a team from a city that actually gave a shit about hockey and put it here. And, and three people three people physically left my section. And, I was and their just fraudulent cup, too. They have a fraudulent cup from the first year post-lockout where they called like 95 penalties a game. Get that shit out of my face. Yeah, no, I cannot. I, nothing. A very, uh, all right, I'm not going to say nothing because the NHL is a dumb league and it does a lot of dumb things that piss me off. But top of my list things that infuriate me is when they do the retro jerseys for the Hurricanes. They're like, we're actually just going to be the Hartford Whalers tonight. No, you want to be the fucking Hartford Whalers? Move to fucking Hartford, you stupid prick. You stole a team. It's all Connecticut had. Then we had to start paying basketball players via Jim Calhoun to win titles. And I'm happy we did. But at the same time, I just wanted one goddamn team. They're not bad. All right, I can't get every player. (laughs) You guys know that Jim Calhoun rant? (laughs) I do. The Karan Butler one. (laughs) Calhoun is what Syracuse fans actually thought Jim Bayheim would be. Facts. Facts. You're not gonna. You think? Did you think I was gonna stick up for Beheim there? Or no, you know, I we just know, wanted you to get angry. <laughs> we know our audience. What are you talking about? That's, there's no chance you do that. Oh my god. Yeah. But what? I would. I would trade a Rangers win last night for Beheim. No, I can't say that. I can't say that. I. I, I would have taken it, that win over anything. But it's, it's it, okay. It, I've been. I've been yelled at today because I said I can't have the Mets losing this many regular season games just for the sake <laughs> of the Rangers. And people are like, "Come on, Greg. What are you talking about?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, like, and what, what was so funny to me is like, have you just met Greg? Like, this is your first yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs> like, you guys, how many years now? Five, six, seven, <laughs> seven. Yeah, Jesus seven in November. Yeah, man. No, nah, but like for real, if we're talking about the Kane series, like, I, I think the Canes are the better team, and I, I think it, you'll, you'll find you won't find many Ranger fans. Well, Pittsburgh was that. the better team. It's not like a hot yeah, take. Well, I don't think factually, yeah, they legitimately were the the better team. But you know what? It doesn't Oops. matter how, huh? I just checked yeah, Money exactly. Puck. Hold on, hold on. I just checked Money Puck right now. It says the Rangers had a hundred percent chance to win Game Seven. That's weird. Did you right. did you did you check the updated Stanley Cup odds? Because I saw that the Penguins' chances were at zero percent. Is that true? Let me just check this. Go double check. This yeah, game. I just want. Can you confirm? Com. Yeah, it says zero. They're out. That's interesting. Oh, so the stats, say, I guess they just hate the Penguins. Then hmm, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, just like everything else, the refs. Here's my thing. I, I had forgotten how the Penguins went out against the Islanders last year. So I, a idiot who follows the New York Rangers mostly and only, forgot that the Penguins also lost last year because a player didn't realize he could just put his helmet back on his head. So with the fact that the Penguins not only did it again, but they won't shut up about it and be like, oh, we got to change this rule. Just put it back on your fucking head. And we, we know the Penguins don't give a shit about head injuries because Sidney Crosby played. So who cares? See, everyone's going to talk about that play about the helmet loss. I'm going to go spin zone and say, what a savvy play by the the young Alexi Lafreniere. Are you kidding me? Could read the situation. What hockey IQ? Knowledge. Unbelievable. Off the charts. Off the charts. 16-game player. I've I've seen enough. Max, captain, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. You're not going to find me arguing. Uh, but still, honestly, you know, he, he outside of the turnover he had last night, I thought Heedle was phenomenal. That phenomenal. plays a little bit on Truba, though, that turnover. Yeah, I mean, Truba's <laughs> just a grenade with the puck on his sticks. No, but you know what? No, no, no. I'm actually, 
I'm fighting. I'm fighting back on this one, and I'm not just doing it because people are slandering Jacob Chuba. And again, I bear responsibility for that man being here, so I will be his loudest and most rigorous defender. I'm not blaming Truba just because Truba came in. Truba is literally just trying to get the puck in the zone. And he realizes he's about to skate into four fucking penguins. So I'm sorry that he's not skating with gusto. But tr- here's my thing. He don't watch Truba make that pass earlier this series. Not even four days ago. And it ended terribly. And Hedl's like, no, no, no. But it, he's like fucking Principal Skinner. And it, 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 no, it's the old guys who can't do it. I'm going to try it. It'll surely go great. Maybe and it'll it work for us. Porky Andres had literally two of those back-to-back games where he's like, come on, man. Like, I, I know I'm fast, but, like, you guys got to give me a chance here. Like, come on. Um, but, yeah, no, I I, I thought Drew, the, the cock – I'm going to put you in a real box here, Greg. Who, who do you blame for Kako's uh, delay of game penalty? Kako? Oh, see, I, I, I thought it was true, but giving Fox a grenade of a pass, like, 30 seconds before, and then the play just went along. I, there, one person put it over the boards. And this is like – Listen, I, I understand, right? We're none of us are parents, so let's talk about raising children really quickly. Yeah, we're very, like, yeah, we're very, look well. <laughs> we're very, we're very quick to assign blame to the circumstances that led to the circumstance instead of sometimes just saying the circumstance itself is what the problem was. I understand it wasn't a perfect play, and it was pretty shitty leading up to what Kako thought he had to do to get the puck out of the zone. One person put the puck over the glass. Kako could have done hundreds of other things, including just shooting the puck on his own net. Now, I'm not saying he should have done that, but I'm saying the option was there for him. He didn't have to put it over the glass. I say get off Truba's ass, all right? Jacob Truba is a player general manager, and you guys are railing his ass because he's made a couple bad plays in this series. This team only exists because Jacob Truba assembled these events. Hey, if Jacob Truba doesn't, <laughs> do, that, doesn't do that puck uh, check, I mean, Crosby stays in the game. You know, so listen. Oh, uh, uh, we don't need to. We don't need to go there. That's all, <laughs> that's 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 going to get us into trouble. Um, in trouble uh, with yeah, who? No. Yeah, trouble with who? That's, I mean, that's a sure. good point. I mean, that's a good point. Independent podcast. I, I don't want. I'm looking out for you guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Even as an independent podcast, we all know what happened. We we I mean. we wanted Sidney Crosby to hey, play. Been, we <laughs> wish him the best. We have many many things to say. I'm, I am positive. I am confident that I will not get fired for saying things about. Jacob Trube on this podcast. Confident. All right, I respect that. Uh, no, for real though, like that was just a great game. I mean, and shout out to Panarin for coming through when it mattered because he had such a dog shit game leading up it's to that One of the goal. worst games I've ever seen him play. Awful. Start, start oh, I think finish. it was just by far his worst game as a Ranger. <laughs> he, yeah. He was, yeah. He was horrid. He couldn't handle the puck. He couldn't make a pass. He couldn't get the puck out of the zone. Did you, do you remember the icing where he like skates back Horrible. and gets beat? He was like, what? Panarin, like, I know you're hurt, dude, but skate, like you could skate. Like I know you can, and it just I mean, you, you, keep, it. you keep you keep saying he's hurt. We actually don't know if he's that's hurt. correct. I, then, right? I, I'm I'm pretty confident he is. I, I've I've been Zapruder filming everything. everything <laughs> actually, Fitz is putting, putting Fitz out. texting me some real good videos. He's like, look at this. <laughs> I don't know. If you wanna, <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to break it down at all, but it's worth talking about. All right, I will. I will real quick. So they the Rangers posted the video on Instagram yesterday. I have of it. yeah, it, it's still up there. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. But they they posted the video of like. You know, the, the guy who opens the door basically to come on the ice for the entrance and he was dapping up all the players and then Panarin came by and, you know, maybe he was fumbling with a stick or a glove. I don't know, but he just didn't dap him up. So I was just like, huh, that's kind of odd, don't you think? And, you know, and now I'm, and I can't unsee it. You well, know, no, I mean? tell like, about the Kreiner <laughs> one too, because the Kreiner one's even more damning. 
Oh, which, which one was the Kreider the, one? When, um, when Kreider's giving hard ass handshakes. Oh to yeah, after after game six, yeah, after game six, when they were walking off the ice, Kreider was you know doing his usual Kreider thing, like he's the last guy off the like ice. The hard he's handshake like, hug. Hard, yeah, the hard handshake, chest bump. You know, like Lafreniere's like running into him, Keandre's running into him, and then Panarin comes and he's just like, "All right, good game, man." He gave him like the Peaky Blinders tip of the cap. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't take credit for that one, though. I, I, I can't remember who told me, but someone pointed that out to me on Twitter and was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. And then I saw the the video of them skating onto the ice yesterday, and I was like, wow, that's... So game you know. game one, watch for the handshakes. That's all we're saying. Well, well I will, I will to say... Me, to me, I'll I'll say- say- not to interrupt you, Greg, but just to me for like what confirmed it, and I, I think I texted this to Ryan. I was like, the way he's passing the puck, he just has like no juice on like any of his... Pa- I mean, he... he Whatever he did last night before he scored, do it again. But he just had like no, you know, his, you know, Panarin specifically is a backhand guy because he's on his off wing, especially in the offensive zone. And like he, he, he throws some rocket backhand passes normally. And the last like game or two, they've just been like, they look like you're playing like mini golf or something or like putt putt. Like they're going like three feet. Uh, I will say this while we're talking about things we saw uh, on social media that, made us think certain things. I didn't, I have no, nothing to say. I listen, I, all I'm saying is he's probably injured. You're right, but we can't be sitting here saying he's definitely injured, blah, blah, blah. However, the one thing that did warm my soul last night is I think it was Jackie Redman who pulled Mika aside for the post game interview. <laughs> and you know how Kreider and Mika can't get off the ice unless they hug each other like forcefully. And then they're the last two players to leave the ice after a win. So in the interview, they do a bit of a wider shot going into it. And you see Mika leaning in to hear the question for Jackie Redmond. And all you can see in the background is a fuzzy number 20 just staring him down, <laughs> waiting for the interview to be over because that man wants his hug. They're such a likable group, man. Like, I, I was even – there's even, like, the celebration video. You see Kako, like, go up to Lafreniere and give him, like, a huge hug. And, like, Lafreniere's – if anybody's seen the new Batman movie, like, when he he injects himself with the adrenaline – He's just like all over the place. Like that was Lafreniere. He's like, who's touching me? Like, yeah. where am I right now? Um, but they're just so like. If anyone man. has seen the new Batman movie, I, you know, it's a good point. Not a lot of people saw it. Hey, I mean, it was on HBO Max within six weeks. I don't know who was waiting for you know the home video. Who doesn't want to go to the the movie th- theaters these the days? Theaters, you know? yes. Theaters, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I pulled the you there. Yes. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say. I can't speak. Uh, it's, it's why I have a podcast. Oh, uh, you. I mean, you should. Last night, man. I, I'm telling you, my heart rate was at 155. It, it, it maxed at 155. That I, I think when that there's this one sequence in the third period where you know the Rangers when they usually make changes in like their own zone, but like they just have to d like throw a couple back and forth passes to each other. It was Fox and lingering, but Crosby was just like there. He was just lingering, and they kept passing the puck, and I saw him like starting to creep one way, then starting to creep the next way, and I'm like, this motherfucker, man, he's about to pick off this pass and go top shelf and just put the dagger in all our hearts and oh he tried he so stressful he tried uh Fitz, we got he's so any, good man I, I, I know i know joke jokes are jokes and and you know the game like playoffs whatever fan bases it's sports but that guy is so good man and like i say this all the time like when i was 16 17 years old i used to be all like man i can't stand this guy he whines so much he's he dives and well, he still he still does all that shit, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah, it's all still there, but he's great. But now I just yeah, exactly. I'm just like, man, this guy's one of the best I'll ever see play. Like, and the fact that he almost lost, you know, 
a lot of his career because of concussions. Like I, I was, I was bummed a little bit for a moment when he got hurt and I, you know, you don't want to celebrate injuries and stuff. And he's one of the best we'll ever see. So, you know, if that's it for them, then I think, you know, the way the reports seem that's it for the penguins and you know, that, that was their last dance, you know, but salute to Sid, man. Yeah. That guy's just unbelievable. I think he just, I think going up against a player like him in, in a lot of these guys, his first go around Keandre, especially, you know, I, I saw like in the handshake line, Crosby had like a nice little, you know, chat with Keandre for a few minutes or for a few seconds, which was cool to see. But, you know, I, I just can't say enough. I think how beneficial that'll be in the long run to a lot of these young kids, even the forwards, you know, Heedle, Kako, Lafreniere were taking shifts against his line. So um, I think he made all of them better players. And it's so much easier to say that when you win the series. <laughs> it really is. We got to get out of here because uh, we're going to our next guest here, Fitz. But uh, wow, you're I, I bumped know. off. So sorry. We're going to go talk about the Penguins <laughs> a little bit more. As with our, our friend Jesse Marshall, but uh, what's your prediction? I'm I'm probably either Canes in five or Rangers in seven. I can't decide which one it is. I'm saying Rangers in six. Let's go. Auntie Ronta is going to turn into a puddle. That would not surprise me. That would not surprise me. Jeez, Auntie Ronta can't catch a break. <laughs> Sorry, another former Ranger, but yeah, he he he's 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 donezo. He's not ready for the jungle. That's going to be insane. Wait, yeah, he can't play at MSG. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has a lot. All right, Fitz. Thank you. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Later, buddy. Hey, we're back with a, a guest who was just on, Jesse Marshall. He covers the Pittsburgh Penguins for The Athletic. Jesse, welcome back. This series is now over. The Rangers have won in seven. In overtime, the only way this series could end, and all of a sudden, the Penguins have imploded in multiple ways. How are you? <laughs> Fine. It's a, I mean, if you're the kind of person that likes news uh, or rumors, I guess like it's an exciting day in Pittsburgh. You know, um, I've tried really hard to cultivate <laughs> a sense of gratefulness among the Penguins community uh, for what we've had the chance to witness and observe. If this is the last run, and that has not been super successful, uh, so I'm gonna give that some time. We'll come back to that. Uh, you know, there's stages to grief. And we're still early in this, so we'll, we'll revisit the gratefulness. Jesse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a brain buster right off the top. It's something I talked a lot about with our listeners leading up to the game on Sunday and then after the game on Sunday. Do you think the Pittsburgh Pirates used up all your good sports karma before the puck dropped last night? In getting a, a, a one nothing victory without registering a single hit? That's right. Um, possible possible i i will admit and this is more of a ryan mead comment than it, is, than it is a great comment but i uh when west ham had a lead against city i kind of was like oh this is bad news for me because if they pull this off and they get three full points out of this the penguins are losing for sure um it turned out a point would also make that a reality uh but i thought i was thinking of you guys during sunday afternoon i was thinking i don't want to get too you know you don't want to get too carried away here and too many good things happen uh you know you end up with a bad Jesse, result the the Mets had the tying run at third base with less than two outs in the ninth inning, and they didn't score. And I was never more confident that the New York Rangers are going to win a hockey game because of it. Got shit on by a bird, and I knew we were winning. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I knew. I knew it was over. Uh, you know what I said, though? And, all, and it worked out this way, I guess, in a sense. Um, when they had an opportunity – I said this on the radio in Pittsburgh. When they had an opportunity to close out in, in five. Um, I said, if you, the longer – you go without finishing the series, the more likely it is you run into the Shusterkin game. Because they felt like he was going to have at least one. And then all of a sudden, game six rolls around and you still haven't had it. 
Like you still haven't had the Schuster game. I mean, you could have said maybe game one was it, but that was a loss. I'm more of thinking when he steals and wins. And and when game six was over, I, I looked at my uh, my buddies and I said, I really feel like game seven is the Shesterkin game. Like, I feel like this is it. Like, we waited. Like, you, you know, you get all the way to the end of the series now. Here you run into it. And I feel like that's exactly kind of what happened is, like, he saved his best performance, probably undoubtedly, for the, the last game of, of the series. He did. And I think your expected goals, whatever, was something like 5.5, 6 or some shit, where Shesterkin was, like, playing out of his mind. You guys had a lot of great opportunities, including multiple penalty. I mean, he scored twice on two power plays and a breakaway. That was awesome, right? Three goals against Shesterkin, but then uh, obviously there's some helmets come off, which I'm sure has been a big topic today. And some missed calls on a check, which I know has also been a big topic. But I think I think we can get this out of the way now. Greg and I talked about this earlier. Refereeing was terrible overall for both sides. I think we can we just agree. I think it's fine. Oh, dude, so bad. And I know Greg and I had um, a con- a conversation like offline, you know, about the Truba hit. Um, when very civil. I just want everyone to know. Well, very civil. Dude, you can't have nuanced conversation in the replies. Just that does not happen. Um, and, you know, I didn't like it. You know, I think and I think I may have said this to Greg. I think what I liked less was the Truba hit on Gensel that happened before that in the first period of that game. Whereas I felt like he wouldn't have been around to have like if that had been properly handled, he wouldn't have been around to have the Crosby incident, you know, like later on. Um, but, you know, I, I would say I just paint this picture for you guys. You know, it was I guess it was game six. Um, the officiating was atrocious. You know, uh, the, the, the call uh, there missed calls both ways. The Rodriguez one was the one I complained about on Twitter and Rangers fans were letting me have it with the board, the missed board. Right. Um, but the, but I turned that game off. Right. Game six is over. And I switched over to Calgary, Dallas that night. Um, and I watched just flagrant elbows get <laughs> you know, get tossed around in that game with no recourse either. And then like the bulb went off in my head and it was like, oh yeah, this sucks, period. You know, we're just living in, in hell when it comes to officiating in a sport. And it's not just this series, right? And it was, and making the mistakes, like maybe, because I know Rangers fans are listening to this, very clear, it sucked both ways. I want to be very clear and fair. Yeah. Um, that it was not we, just, it was in favor of team. You yeah, know, we, um, we've, we've been saying, so just so you know, because I'm sure you know just based on, how often we talk, but we have said the same thing where win or lose, you can't blame the officiating. It just sucks across the board. But let me ask you something, Jesse, that we haven't talked about. Does your opinion of the Truba hit change because we were led to believe Crosby had a concussion? And now the fact, or at least the truth we are told is that the he never had one, never flunked a concussion test, and the Penguins simply sat him for game six. Yeah. Does it change your opinion of the Truba hit, knowing that it definitely did something to him for that game, but in terms of long-term health, nothing for Crosby? Uh, no, I'll tell you why. Um, and this is a comment that's really non-withstanding of Jacob, of Jacob Truba, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I like more, uh, and this is just, I guess, coming from a place of like having watched, um, again, non-withstanding Truba, having watched a lot of crap go Crosby's way, right, over the years. And I think that, for me, I just like the international law, international hockey rule of saying, if it if there's contact made there, like, we're just going to, there's no gray area. It's a black or a white thing. There's a line in the sand. If you cross that line, you're going to be dealt with. And that is going to cause players in the NHL to have to make an adjustment, I think, in the way that they play the game and hit. But 
I said this on Twitter, guys. Like, again, big picture, looking at these playoffs alone. Let's just take everything out of the equation. Just look at these playoffs. If the NHL got hit with a lawsuit this year, just based off what's happened in these playoffs, they'd lose. They'd lose. And that's not even just about Crosby. I mentioned the Dallas game. Game six, Dallas-Calgary. That was just atrocious. You've seen it almost in every series. And I just feel like that we need we need we can't trust the front office here to make decisions. <laughs> the Department of Player Safety, I think, has proven itself again at a big picture here, incompetent. I think it's run by people who have an interest in keeping a certain style of player employed because they were that style of player. It's very nepotistic in that sense. So if you just if you made it more um, discerning and more hardline. We just wouldn't even like this conversation we're having now. We probably wouldn't even be having because there would be a rule, and it would be set, and we could we could really potentially work at cutting down head contact at the the highest level of the game. Right now, I just don't feel like that happens, and we end up in these conversations. We should never discuss intent. You know, there's never going to be a situation where we're going to shrink ourselves and get into Jacob Truba's mind and you know find out what he was thinking. You know, it's never, never going to happen. We should not have discussions of did he mean to do this? Did he mean to do that? That's mean is where you get into trouble. Intent is where you get into trouble. Make it a make it a line, draw it in the sand, and it either is or it isn't. And that's that's the way I've always thought about it. And I thought about it that way before this series. And I, I kind of just really only emboldened it, I think, um, for what we saw this this last little bit. I guess now that we've gone through all this and we've started to head to the off season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, there's been a lot of rumors coming out of Pittsburgh today. Well, I guess I'll let you kind of handle them about what's going on. And supposedly there was a rumor offer that both Latang and Malkin got offered three-year contracts for $5 million a year. Uh, and that uh, Crosby may be upset about that. What do you expect to happen in Pittsburgh? Is, will, will one of them go? Will one of them stay? Where, where are we at right now? So I think, yeah, that was as reported by Rob Rossi, my colleague uh, at The Athletic. Um, he, he kind of had that a little bit later this evening. So this is more like fresh news. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the supposed um, leaked, I guess, offers to both Latang and Malkin. They're identical. Uh, three years, 15 mil. Now, to rewind the clock a bit, like what we've heard from the, like out of, I guess, supposedly from the Latang camp is a number that starts with seven plus, right? Like that's generally what he's looking for, I think. Um, you know, I don't know that we've got an official number from Malkin, but the reports have been he's looking for something, you know, that's team friendly and he's willing to do what he can to to take a cut. But I don't know that dropping down to five million really the solution there for him. You know, that's a huge drop off. And I don't think that it really is reflective of or is commensurate, I think, with his performance, um, which is the other, I think, kind of like not frustrating part, but confusing part is that, you know, um, He's just better than that from a from an output perspective. So, um, you know, there's there's rumors swirling that you know the Fenway Sports Group is evaluating, you know, the tenure of Ron Hextall. I'm less hip to that. Um, I've not personally, you know, heard a lot of that, and that's not come from anyone I know. Um, but that was a big play this morning too, um, which you know, I guess in a sense doesn't make sense to me because it's still so new. And um, yeah, I think Ron Hextall, you know, picking up Ricard Raquel, that was a savvy move that he, he made without having to give up a ton. You know, Jeff Carter scored a ton of goals in the series. You know, as much as I hated some of his defensively, he scored a lot of goals. And it was a tough customer for Shostakin to handle at times. So he's made moves that have worked out, you know. I mean, Mark Friedman was good in the series. So 
I don't know. You know, there's no there's no attachment to him from the ownership group, and I can understand their want to move on and do something different. Um, but I also think that you know, I don't know that there's really been a lot of established history between the two that would you know. I don't know how well they know each other, you know, <laughs> and Brian Burks by the name, by the way, is included in that. So um, that, that wasn't just a Hextall thing. It was Hextall slash Burke. Um, so maybe like a overhaul of the culture. I don't know. Um, you know, David Morehouse, you know, the uh, VP, you know, stepped down before the series started. So there's already been like a decent amount of overhaul. Um, but I think the one thing you could say, uh, and I talked to you guys about this, you know, during the series at some points, the, it, you know, the, the, the defining word in Pittsburgh, and I think the word that runs the show here is the word window, you know, this proverbial window, is it open, is it closed, how much time is left in it before it closes. And if you're making that decision, the window, quote unquote, decision, based off of the health, or I guess, well-being of Sidney Crosby, I think his answer to you from his performance in this playoff series is there's a lot left to, to a lot of time left in this thing. They're not quite done yet because uh, I thought he looked unbelievable. It was a vintage from him. Uh, Jake Gensel, you know, another one. There's, there's, you know, it's, I, I don't get the sense, you know, even if you lose one of the big core that the, the runs are over yet, you know, this isn't a team that's going to magically fall off a cliff and not qualify for the postseason. All of a sudden um, they, they're still very competitive and their captain isn't showing any signs of aging. Well, uh, first of all, to Crosby point. Uh, yeah. But I think, the Crosby point actually dovetails perfectly into the question I want to ask you next. Uh, Mike Sullivan was a wizard for knowing when to get the first line out there and when to really push tempo against in the first half of the series, the Migas, Ben Jack, Chris Kreider, Frank Petrano line. Anytime Galant put those three guys out there, it was chum the water for Sullivan. Before the series started, you had talked to us about how this might have been the swan song for Sullivan, if things didn't go a certain way, did he do enough in this series in your eyes to keep the job, to stay as the guy that can take the Penguins back to a Stanley Cup final? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, like, objectively, he danced circles around Gawain. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I don't think uh, you're us arguing that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think if you, if you saw us on Twitter, I think that was probably yeah. the most common thing we were when, saying. Uh, I, uh, we have, I have to ask you, Jesse, because when – Gallant sends out Rooney and Reeves on offensive face-offs in the fourth in the fourth period. Jesus Christ! In the third period of games, are we did you have just a like, couple fourth periods. <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh, are, are are you just like salivating? Like ooh. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, you know, and I think it was also that we we've seen a lot over the course of the Crosby era, right? Where Crosby will have a, a game or two or three where he just beats the hell out of somebody or a pairing or whatever it is, and has a just a lopsided night. And then they take it away because they make it, like the other coach will make an adjustment. I like the one thing that stands out to me off the top of my head is Peter Laviolette. Like he always seemed to do that. If, if Crosby was burning him one way too many times, he was going to fix it. And it, it you, you never really fixed it, but you could contain it more, right? And like not have it be so bad. But I didn't really see Gallant do that. Like he, he seemed to be almost like accepting of whatever matchup he got when it came to Crosby and it was like, man, like there were some night and I've like, I've been watching analytics and following analytics in hockey for years. And I've never seen someone routinely control 90% of the expected goals in more than one game. And it was just like, how can you 
it, because it was a video thing and a, and a stats thing. Like they both, they were both married to each other, you know, and it wasn't just one or the other. It was dominant all, however you wanted to look at it. And I put a video up on Twitter um, of the Rangers just eating the Penguins alive through the regular season, even into the early parts of the series with the stretch pass. They were really effective with it. And then as the series went on, Mike Sullivan just turned that off. He changed his D, where they were positioned, how they played in the neutral zone, and let them step up to pick those passes off. Um, there was a lot of stuff he did that I think challenged Gallant. I, I think the only changes I think I really saw Gallant make tangibly were on the power play for New York, which worked, by the way. He scored a ton of goals. Um, but even strength, it wasn't pretty at times. And I think that, you know, I, for me, noting that he had a third string goalie for six of the seven games, uh, noting that he had significant injuries in the series uh, to Brian Dumoulin, to, to Sidney Crosby, Ricard Raquel, to all these players, um, and to have it go to seven, to have the success that he had against the guy who's a slam dunk to win the Vezina and maybe the Hart Trophy, um, you got to get tip the hat to that. I think if the Penguins had been embarrassed out of the postseason and walked and just beaten in five and shown no life, it had been hard to justify bringing him back, especially with how they ended the regular season. But once again, like you see a situation where the Penguins, you know, I, if you listen to the pregame, the pre-series show we did, it was like a funeral. Like I, I you know, like, like I, I was painting a pretty good grim picture, but like once again, like I feel like coaching is like one of the things that sort of brought this team, you know, from the from the um, the brink of being embarrassed to you know making a series out of it and you know almost pulling off a pretty big upset. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Penguins were the better team, pretty much the whole time. And yet, I said on Twitter today, Ryan. You know, you said if you are projected to win something seventy-five percent of the time, you're going to lose twenty-five percent of the time. You know, and I know people like don't want to hear that. And I've refrained from posting some of the gaudy Crosby statistics from the series, so people don't want to hear that right now. Like people don't want to hear about expected goals. They don't want to hear about like should have and and who was on where and the deserve to win a meter. Um, you know, I think especially given what has happened, you know, in the last couple of years with Montreal and Islanders and et cetera, it, you know, it's just one of those things that was like that, that solace for Pittsburgh is probably is just gone. I think the tank on that is just empty, um, from some of the crap they've had, to, you know, when you look at last season, you know, with the Islanders and Tristan Jari, you know, practically single-handedly, you know, blowing that series, you know, it's just the what ifs and could have beens and should haves, um, you know, I think noting again that the word window is prominent here just doesn't make a difference to anyone anymore. Agreed with you. It just the the Raiders that's what they do, man. I know I've said it all podcasts. They look terrible. They look like they're outplayed. And then Igor Shosturkin stands out of his head and they find a way to win the game. They never win big and they always win ugly, but they win. And that's that's all they've done all, all year long. So it's uh I, I was just curious to see what it was like from your side where it's you yeah. feel you feel like you're dominating the game. You have control of the puck. You're getting great chances. Igor is doing his thing where he is. Igor game, in game seven. And then it's like, okay, how are we not up 5-0? I mean, 5-0. Yeah. Sorry. I'm soccer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that was it. You know, and you look at some of the chances that, um, you know, didn't get deposited last night. Um, some of the opportunities they had, especially down low and in front of the net. Deflection, you know, rebound opportunities. Um, the longer that game went on, you know, it's just one of those things that, it becomes less and less of a coin flip. You know, you, you subject yourself to, um, you know, one penalty in overtime changing the whole course of your fate. Uh, so it's, you know, for me, it's a conversation about, you know, finding a way to close it out and, you know, 
game six was the one I think that the people in Pittsburgh were really like, man, you know, off the, you know, off of a, off the blocker of Louis Domingue, you know, that, that's a tough way to go. And I think that, that, you know, there were so many huge momentum swings in this series, uh, massive ones um, that, 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 you know, seemed like you couldn't even, you know, recover from, but um, credit to both teams for just, I mean, the, the, it was insane watching the back and forth. One of the weirdest series of all time. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on the Carolina team at all that we're about to play against? So, I mean, I think from a speed perspective, which is really what their system is about getting up ice fast and, um, you know, doing it in a way that's different. You know, the Penguins do, they do it with pressure, I think, and a lot of unique forechecking. The, the, the Hurricanes do it with moving the puck fast. Uh, so I think the onus uh, really is going to be on the wingers uh, in this New York system to, to do a job in the neutral zone, slow that up and try to help out, you know, some of these defensemen from getting turned around or, you know, facing the wrong way on zone entries, you know, and it's, look at Boston and like what they had, that was a lot of it, you know, it was the speed that drove them crazy um, and, and getting up ice fast and getting zone entries quickly and getting shots off the rush um, that lead the long possessions. You got to try to find a way to mitigate that without sacrificing the way you want to play on offense. And that's not an easy thing to do. Jesse, I know this is um, probably not, I don't think it's an unfair question, but it's one you, you know, you'd rather just not answer. Did you learn anything new? about the New York Rangers through everything that happened in the last fortnight. Yes. Um, now I don't watch every Ranger game, right? Like I'd be lying if I said I did, but I follow a lot of Rangers people like you guys, Sam Stern, you know, uh, the list goes on. Like I have a huge contingent of Rangers friends. Um, you know, your buddy Drew Way is another one, but I see the discourse in New York about some of the young players, right? And I've followed it over the last couple of years you know, definitive statements being made about Alexi Lafreniere, right? He can't do this, or he's not going to be this, or his ceiling is here. And I just feel like, I think what I, I don't know if I learned, but um, I guess I would say I learned is like, those conversations were stupid. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, like I wasn't necessarily participating in them, you know, like they weren't my conversation. I was reading them as a third party. You know, but now I look back on some of them like, God damn it, like you guys jumped the gun big time because he's he was one of the players, I think, in this series, you know, like, you know what Kreider can do, you know what Zibanejad could do. But he was one of the ones that I think like by game four, every time you touch the puck, your butthole puckered up a little bit. Yep. And you're like, man, like this kid can fire it. Um, and I think that that was the learning for me is that like, I don't know if you say it was like, a, you know, coming out party for him or whatever, but it was his first playoff series. You know, it's it's feast or famine, you know, baptism by fire type thing. I thought he passed the test. Um, I thought a lot of people probably feel stupid about some of the takes they had. Agreed. And if he was on the power play, he'd have 50 points. Everyone would just shut up. So yeah, that's exactly where it is. Uh, Greg, any final questions for our friend here? Uh, just in your best estimation. I mean, I impossible question to be asked on May 16th when there's still three rounds of playoffs left and all this good stuff, but the path forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins is what in the eyes of Jesse Marshall? I think it's to not blow it up, you know, the, the lesson for me, and I think I hope the lesson that, that FSG learned out of this is again, you know, the Rangers are not, they weren't a garbage opponent. You know, the Penguins played with some handicaps, I think in the series, you know, the, the goaltending thing was just a nightmare. <laughs> uh, 
so I think you, it's patience, you know, bring back what you can, you know, bring back what you can. You're, you know, if you don't bring back everybody, you're going to have, you're still going to have money available. There's still going to be a savings, right? You'll still be able to tinker and tool and do what you need to do. So I think it's, that's, that, that's the, that's the ticket for me. You know, I know, you know, John Marino for me is like a huge series for him. You know, I thought he was phenomenal. He made a huge mistake in game seven and people were beating him up before it, but that doesn't, you know, erase six and a half, six and three quarter good games that he played before that. So there's, there's foundation is what I'm saying. You know, there's good players that had really good series that, that took huge steps forward. And uh, there's a way to, you know, keep the team competitive and not turn into the Detroit Red Wings at the same time. Agreed. Jesse, can't thank you enough. Good series. Uh, one of the weirdest series I've ever seen from all, sure. the, all the reviews, the buzzers, one of the sickest goals I've ever seen by Gensel, just everything. Uh, and uh, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for giving us uh, some rational thoughts of yours. Cause I know there's a discourse on the internet. Not so good. Just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Just Anytime. Opinion. Yeah. Good luck to you guys in the next round. Thanks. I think the Canes are good. So we'll <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at O'Reilly. You can follow Greg at Bushwich Break. We'll be back then. Love you guys. Bye. All right. So it's time to eat a little crow and, um, you know, eat, admit some things. Last week, I, on the end of this podcast, when I was talking to the NHL Insiders Club, which is the the exclusive chat where we talk all things New York Rangers and break stories a little bit early on our Discord, uh, before I thanked them, I was like, hey, listen, the Rangers are down 3-1. You know, it could be tough. This could be the final week of the season. Thank you so much. I got a little sappy. I was very emotional. You know how it goes. Well, the Rangers came back, and I want to thank you yet again for being part of this stupid podcast that we do every single week and all the all the extra content we try and provide for the, uh, for the playoffs. And thank you so much for being part of this because... The Rangers are moving on to round two. They're playing the Hurricanes, and I am very excited. Uh, I can hardly contain it. I'm very nervous, and I, I pray to my God, Igor Shisterkin, we get further. Without further ado, I want to thank these specific individuals, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, and there's 72 of you now, by the way. I, I originally thought this would be like 10 people when I started doing this, but it's 72. Uh, Alex Carter, Amber Coersberg, Anthony Terragata, ben, ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Bri Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blucher, Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ, Chris... Haru, CJ Stellwagen, uh, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, David Aaron, and Dennis Dice, Darian, DJ Banana Jazz, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a cup. I love the DJ Banana Jazz thing. It's so fun to say. Give Gardner a cup. Uh, Garrett Gretzky McFly, Handel, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B., Jimmy Filipione. I think I butchered that one. Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, Jordan Hardesty, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Friedman, Justin Starr, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Laura Ross, the Laser Krakowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kind, to the next page, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas D, Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Padre Kovarev, Randy Tesser, Scottish Grant, Sean Taggart, welcome back, Sean, Stig Boobox, Swangard, the Drop PK, Tommy, Tommy Welsh, Tommy Seclary, Tommy, Tom Ertz, Tom O'Neill, Tory Furman, Manhattan, the original supporter, Upstate, Vin, Vinny, Bronco, Vinny, Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Wow. Again, I really thought this would be like a 10-person thing. There's 72 of you. It's fucking crazy. Uh, the New York Rangers, they have a lot of work to do. They are a garbage team who wins garbage games. If the, if the Hurricanes decide to muck it up, the way the Hurricanes have to win this series is they have to blow out the New York Rangers in a fashion where ER gets put on the bench where they just are scoring five goals and the Rangers have no chance of coming back into the games. If you let the New York Rangers hang around, if you just let them hang, whether a goal or two, they ha it has to be a three-goal lead. It just has to be. If you let them hang around, they will find ways back into games. I'm slowly convincing myself. 
I've kind of been all season. I mean, even three months ago, I was calling Fitz. I was calling other people we know. And I was just saying, you know what? If we play the Hurricanes, I, I just can't see it going more than Canes and five, Canes and six. Slowly convincing myself, especially with the conversation we had today, about the Rangers haven't played their best game. That the Rangers can play their best game and win this series. And hey, if you get to the Eastern Conference Finals and you give up that first round pick for Cop, totally cool with it. Win. Success. Everything about the season right now, a win. A success. Game winning game seven at home. A win. A success. That's exactly what you wanted. So now you head to the Carolina Hurricanes. You are the big time underdog. You have... You've, it's pretty much a success for you no matter what. You're playing with house money. You, Of course you want to win. All these players want to win. But there's, the stress is off you. It's on the Hurricanes. Their time is now. They're trying to win. They're going to be pushing. And the Rangers can take advantage of that. Hopefully they can catch some nerves. They just won seven games with the Boston Bruins. I know the Bruins are a good team, but they ended up they ended up beating them as well. I think the Rangers can do this the more I think about it. But I don't think it's going to be easy. This team is never easy. It would be a seven-game series again. Before they head to another Florida team that's going to be absolutely brutal to play against but we'll be here covering the whole thing thank you so much reach out on discord whenever you know we do we're very interactive and very responsive so love you all let's go rangers i can't believe we won i can i can't believe we won but it's still i don't know it feels so good it's so hard to sit here and talk to you about this because it's like i don't really have many more emotions i've talked about the rangers every single day this week it's like amazing I, I, i'm so privileged to be able to do this <laughs> it's ridiculous getting emotional. All right, we're going to go. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.